Welcome to the show. You're listening to the Hope Radio Podcast, stories, profiles, and interviews of courage, triumph, and perseverance. My name, my name is Sean Davis. I happen to be your humble host and my co-hostess with the mostest, my beautiful wife. Her name is... Just Jen. And you're along with us as we keep this hope train a-moving on down the track. Choo-choo! So how are you feeling today, Jennifer? I'm feeling really good. It's it's a good day so far. It is a good day. It's good, yeah. good. Yeah. I agree. Sun shining, although we're going to get some hot, hot weather. It's going to be hot this We're in weekend. Cali, and uh, we just checked. It's supposed to be like 104, 105 this weekend. 105. 105. You yeah. don't say that to me. <laughs> 105. We better do our podcast interviews early if yeah. it's going to be 105. It's super duper hot. Yeah, I don't. I don't like it when it gets. It that doesn't hot. even get that hot in Mexico. No, I know. I miss Mexico. <laughs> I know. You just made me think of it. Yeah. Well, we can go back. <laughs> can we? Yep. I heard that you can't fly. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. That's a good point. I can fly. Maybe he'll give me wings. <laughs> I've got wings. I would love that. Yeah. I would love to have wings. I'd love to fly. Like, you know me. I like, yes, I like to fly. Yes. I thought I was going to be a pilot, but then it was like too much stuff. <laughs> too much <laughs> stuff. Well, what I mean by that is that, you know, I, I actually took some lessons to become a pilot mm-hmm. and it was the fantasy I thought flying was, wasn't the reality I found it to be. Right. It felt more like driving. Yeah. You know, but no, like getting up in that powered hang glider, that felt like flying. <laughs> Being in a hang glider, that feels like flying. Being yeah. in a paraglider, I haven't done that yet, but I'm going to try that. Sounds scary. Jennifer. Yeah. You can't be scared all the time. I like my feet on the ground. Really? Yeah. You travel a lot for somebody that likes your feet on the ground. Well, and I'm like terrified of flying half the time. Yeah, you always grab my hand at the first bump. The first bump, I'm like, oh my God, what was that? <laughs> I hate that. Hey, so a little, little story about Jen, you know, for somebody that's so hope-filled, She's she's one of these people that like when something happens, she imagines the worst possible conclusion to the event. There was a little blip of of let's say air or turbulence. Oh my god, are we gonna are we gonna die? Is it gonna go down? Is it gonna fl- <laughs> is the plane crashing? What's going on? I always look towards the the stewardesses and like, are they scared? You look at me first, yeah. to see if I'm freaking out. Like, did you feel you take- that? Are you okay? Are we okay? What you, was that? You take your cue from me. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, but is it if okay? if I'm always thinking the worst and it never happens, then... That seems more stressful. The good always happens. See, the difference is you worry about stuff happening, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Which takes a little anxiety. Yes. Right? I'm just prepared. You call that being prepared? Yeah. You're prepared for the most, like, frightening things I've ever heard of in my life. Well, I don't want to be... <laughs> Off, you know, that one person that is not paying attention. You don't want to be the one person that wasn't prepared? Like, if we're at a stop sign. Yeah. Of course I'm thinking someone's going to carjack me. Why would you think that? Because if I'm not, I don't want to be surprised. I'm be ready. (laughs) I'm be so ready. So what else do you think about? Um, You're at a stop sign. Someone's going to carjack you. What what do you think? Oh, gosh. You think think someone's going to murder us every night in our house? We live in the woods. Like, in the woods. Exactly. Two acres. Exactly. And you got to climb up this spiral outside staircase that makes, like, all the noise in four counties that you could hear coming up. But yet, I got to make sure that back door is locked so no one comes up And the alarm needs to be set. 
but yeah, like if the, if if it's unlocked, then I'm like, yeah, someone's gonna murder us tonight. <laughs> like, and I think it goes back to when I was a child. Our house used to get broken into every single week. Yeah, you you woke and up. So I have this fear that I'm gonna wake up and see a person in my house again stealing my brother's boombox. <laughs> I remember it so vividly. It was vivid. I yeah. cannot forget. Well, let's talk about brighter, happier yes, things. Yes, let's do that. Is it joke time? I can. I Should can we transition jokes? to jokes? Let's I do jokes. jokes. I always have jokes. Do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? Yeah, I want to go first. Okay. Jeez Louise <laughs> with authority and like conviction. All right, you go. Okay. okay. What did the pecan say to the walnut? Are you nuts like me? No, that's not it. Oh, well, that was a good guess though, right? Yeah. I was going to say... The answer is, do, 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 do. we can be friends because we're both nuts. Oh, <laughs> I like that. That's you and me. Yeah. What kind of nut do you want to be? What kind of nut do I want to be? Yeah. Um, almond. <gasps> is Almond's a nut, right? Yeah. Yeah. Almond joy has had nuts. Yeah. Mounds don't. I'm just thinking about almond milk, almond flour, almond, mm-hmm. you know, like all these other variations of almond. I'm going to so be a just, pistachio. It just confuseled me for a second. Yeah. Confuseled. That's right. my word. I know. I stole it from you. Yeah. You want to hear my joke? Yeah. All right. Here we go. Okay. All right. Here we go. I told my physical therapist I broke my arm in two places. He said to me, stop going to those places. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That was a good one, huh? Yeah. I think jokes are supposed to start with a question, though. Why? See? Why? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you make me laugh. You make me laugh. I don't think they have to start with a question. They can just be funny. I think a joke is anything that makes you laugh. Yeah. You didn't say that with confidence. I'm always waiting. Well, I'm always waiting to answer the joke. Why do you need an answer to have a joke? Well, no, but like instead of you making like a funny statement, I'm thinking like a joke. Are you is saying I'm doing it wrong? No, no. Are you critiquing my no, ability to tell jokes? Because knock knocks are jokes, right? Yeah, but it's a question, like you're saying, knock knock. Oh yeah, who's there? Yeah, see. Yeah. Maybe you're right. So this is just another. You see, you're not telling jokes. You're doing what? something else. What am I doing? I don't know, but I'm going to Google it. <laughs> I don't know. Why are you pointing your finger at me like that? Because. I'm talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> you talk to me all the time, but yeah. you don't point your finger at me all the time. I'm going to start doing that. Jennifer, stop. Yeah. I'm just, it looks like you're mad. I'm just very serious. I don't want you to be mad. I think you're not telling jokes. I think Jennifer, I am. If, it say, if I, words come out of my mouth <laughs> and it says something funny and you laugh, that was a joke. It could be a statement. Could be a funny statement. Yeah. But not So you're a saying joke. I'm. I'm doing funny. Are you telling? I see it. I think there's an end know. around to try to tell me I'm you win, I lose. No, 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 no. I just need to know the definition of a joke. Well, let's <laughs> ask our listeners what Google. is the definition of a joke? <laughs> all right, let's move on. Us, all right. Us is the answer. Yeah, let's. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're the joke? Yep. We're jokes. Yep. Ta-da. Oh, you are so funny. All right, so we got to move on. Okay. I've got a 
fascinating, fascinating interview coming. We're going to talk with Meg Nacero, Mm -hmm. who left a 20-plus year career as an immigration enforcement litigator attorney. She left that. I mean, she was top of her game, rising, and uh, decided to follow her passion of um, being an entrepreneur, an author, a speaker, etc., coach. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just love stories when people, you know, just take a hard right yes. out of the career path that they were um, initially like on. Yeah, just like me. <laughs> that makes me feel like I'm not as crazy as yeah, I thought I might have been. you're normal. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I, I, I want to talk with her. Let's, let's call her then. Let's call her. Let's yeah. get her online. I'll, I'll do that now. Okay. All right. I've got Meg Nassaro on the line. Welcome to the show, Meg. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much. It's awesome to have this opportunity and privilege to talk to you guys today. Well, we are certainly excited to uh, chat with you and talk about the subject of hope. But before we get into that, what part of the country are you in right now? Are you in the east, west? Where are you at? Yeah, I live in uh, Miami, Florida. I'm in the east coast. So, so we're experiencing very, very warm weather as usual in August. We're just glad no hurricanes blowing through today. So. <laughs> You know, I've never been through a hurricane, nor do I desire to want to go through a hurricane, you know, but like you guys, you guys get the brunt. Jen and I have always joked that it seems like Florida gets like its inordinate share of challenges, I feel like, especially with regard to weather. You know, it's the kindest thing you can say about Florida because a lot of people say that <laughs> Florida is our challenge. <laughs> so, uh, you know what I have to tell you? It's, I think it is um, a beautiful place to come. It's actually, I consider Miami a paradise. It's quite beautiful. If you've ever been to the Mediterranean and, and Europe, and, and uh, it, it reminds me a lot of that. So I like to say we're the American Riviera. But um, yes, we do get challenges. So there's always that other side of the coin. But yes, I like to look at the glass half full. It definitely is a beautiful place to live. Well, you know, you can't host a podcast without being glass half full kind of people. So <laughs> yeah. like we're, we're simpatico yeah. that way, you know, like you got to see the brighter side. You got to awesome. see the opportunity. You got to see the sunshine through the rain. So, well, we're excited to have you on and talking about the subject of hope. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Are you married? You got kids? You know, uh, a little bit about what you're doing right now yeah. in terms of uh, an occupation or career. So I am married. I have been married for over 20 years um, to one of my uh, law school uh, colleagues. And um, it's been one of those relationships. Both of us are trained lawyers. Um, I was a federal immigration prosecutor for pretty much the majority of the 20 years um, since I graduated from law school. So I'm a litigator by trade, but I had since resigned. It was three years last uh, Wednesday, I think, August 4th. So I get to celebrate my my three years of this new career that I I would like to call it my calling um, that I've stepped into, which is uh, I am an author. I have published a book called The Magical Guide to Bliss. Um, it is basically a daily piece to unlock your dream, spirit, and inner bliss. It's my guide that allowed me to basically step into this path that I feel um, is uh, what I'm here to do, my meaning, my will to meaning. Um, and I'm also an empowerment coach. I help others come alive to the beauty of their dreams, which is one of my, my favorite things to do because when the light goes off, I love it. I just like love being there and experience that. It's one of the the greatest gift of saying yes to my calling. I'm also a um, inspirational speaker, and I do play in the arena of attorney still. 
I do a lot of um, consultations with regard to immigration law, especially now. But um, this is my new, and then of course, my favorite career, my favorite calling is that I'm a mother to two. I have a daughter who's a preteen, God bless me. Um, she is 11 <laughs> years old and she is an explosion of creativity. Those are the child. I don't, every other day, I'm not sure if I walk into her room what I will find because <laughs> she um, is certainly one who takes uh, colors and, like I said, explosion of creativity. And then I have my son who is going to be a senior this year in high school. He's um, 17 and he is just one, this wonderful, wonderful, big hearted soul that, you know, I get to watch both of them grow into who they become in their lives. And that, like I said, is, is probably the greatest privilege that I get to do. So, no, I love um, that. I love that. And then have, have conversations with you guys, which is amazing. Yeah. So I, I enjoy this a lot. I do enjoy this a lot. It, it's kind of the other gift of me stepping out of my comfort zone into this great big world that we live in. So, well, I want to, I want to get into your former career as an, a, an immigration litigator, but I, I just had one question. Like when you said, okay, so you and your husband yeah. have been married for over 20 years. You're both yeah. attorneys, right? Yeah. So how, how does yeah. that work when you guys have disagreements in the home? Like I, I just imagine I got two attorneys. I got yeah. one that's a litigator. Like your, your guys' ability to argue a point must be on point. Like I, I, I just hope you, you guys don't. Wow, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you got two attorneys, like smart, compelling, articulate people. And, you know, if there's any, any amount of disagreement at all, like what, what does that look like? You know, it's funny because, um, yeah, I would say this. I, I think that I became a great prosecutor by virtue of the training I got in my home. For- <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell you, you know, but, you know, the interesting thing is that, you know, as newlyweds, certainly, we both started off our careers when we had just gotten married at the same time. So we had to navigate that and figure out ways in which um, we, you know, we travel together rather than become adversaries against each other. So, yeah. you know, it's very hard. Yeah. I think when, you know, the, it's that whole professional, personal a world, and it's hard to like, straddle both. So, you know, we still cha- we're still challenged with that. Um, certainly, if we're really stubborn, which we are both two stubborn Italians, for sure, <laughs> and that's in the mix, and God help us all. And still my son wants to be a lawyer, so go figure. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I think he's been trained. I think he thinks he knows what he's doing by virtue of the fact that he has, you know, there's something to be said about on-the-job learning. <laughs> he's like so first <laughs> into you and now I'm learning. Hey, I, I'm, I, I know. It's, you know, it's, you're good. I was just going to say, I know a little bit about, you know, uh, having a stubborn Italian in the, in the family. I, I, I know a little, I just know just a little tiny bit about dealing with a stubborn Italian in the family. But, uh, you know, I, I won't go into that too much, but well, right, Jennifer. I like you even better now. Jennifer is Italian. So yes. yep. there you go. She just. You just stepped up a whole effort. <laughs> <laughs> See, if, 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 if she ain't feisty, it's not fun. So the reality <laughs> yeah. of it is, is that she, she keeps me on my toes. That, that's for sure. Well, that's awesome. And then you, you guys have a, a bit of a gap between your kids, kind of like we do. We had two kids. We, all of our, we have four boys. And so uh, they're all, all awesome, cool kids. But we had two real quick. Then we backed off and had a six and a half year gap between the second mm-hmm. two. And so yeah. we our ages now are 24, 22, 16, and 14. 
And so uh, looks like you guys had a little bit of a, of a gap in your children too. Yeah, you know, I'm sure knowing the two of you that you are very professional people, you know, I think I can do it all. So I just bite off a lot more than I can chew. And at least in this regard, I knew that with a full-time career and I wanted to be this kind of vision of the mother that I that I had in my mind, I just knew that I couldn't handle it <laughs> with more than one at a yeah. time. And it was funny because I had children, uh, I would say later, my, I started having kids when I was 33 years old. And I think my doctor basically looked at me and goes, we love you either way, but you're going to have to make a choice. <laughs> it doesn't get easier as you get older. You know, so I like looked at her and I said, I've always wanted a little girl. And, and it's so funny because it's obviously you, you love what you get and, you know, get what you get. You don't get upset. Yeah. But, you know, I, I always wanted a little girl. I love my son. I love my son so much. I mean, he was the, my pride and joy. He is my pride and joy. Um, but I was blessed with a daughter. You know, I was like, okay, let's just try this again. We'll see what happens. And, you know, and I have to tell you, she completed our family. So I'm Aww. glad I did. because we do have four boys and my whole plan was to have one boy and one girl. And so when we had the ah. first two boys, I'm like, okay, I'm done. You don't make girls. And so all I wanted was a, like a little girl. And so finally I was like, okay, I'm going to, uh, you know, try this again. And we ended up having two more boys and I'm like, I just want a girl. So now I'm, I've officially quit. I'm like, I blame Sean for, you know, not being able to, have bring bring girls into our world so it's very sad <laughs> but yeah like boy, boys are awesome boys are really awesome i will say that yeah boys are awesome. but now you're the queen and nobody buys your attention <laughs> for you and since you're the passionate italian then even better exactly my daughter tries to suck the air out of my 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 rain from the room. It's so very definitely uh, definitely a challenge, but you know it's funny. Yeah, <laughs> my daughter is an actor. She's a singer, and um, I remember when I first had her take lessons. You know, she's very stubborn to imagine, right? Go figure. But she was like four years old when she took lessons to sing, and we we paid for the lessons. They weren't cheap. Ready to she we saw some talent in her. And, you know, they always say idle hands. If you don't, like, kind of, you know, guide the passion and the creativity, it'll explode yeah. more. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do this for her. So we went to um, the lessons, and she refused. This four-year-old would refuse oh, to sing gosh. one note. So I said, you know what? You don't want to take them? I'm going to take them. I'm going to take the singing lessons. And I was doing this artist way, you know, creativity, recovering your inner creative seminar at the time, because I was you know, kind of dabbling into what would I do if this was no longer yeah. my, my job? So, of course, I was stepping into that. And the most amazing thing, she pushes me aside. <laughs> She's like, oh, no, 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 yeah. And then she's giving this work. She tells me, oh, and mommy, you need to try better because I wouldn't turn around if I were on the voice for you. I'm just like, oh. <laughs> Wow, drop the, drop Sean, the mic. Sean right. tells me that too. When I try yeah. to pretend like I want to be on The Voice, he'll be like, nope. I think you sing like an angel. <laughs> oh. What are you talking about? He's all, nope. 
I'm not turning around and you're not going to Hollywood. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It wasn't my calling. Hey, she's got other talents, you know, she, she, she's, uh, she's awesome. So, you know, maybe singing ain't, ain't her thing, but, uh, that's all right. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that something about your ethos of the family. So go ahead and describe that again. Well, you know, it's interesting because I think a lot of it, like, I'm just speaking to the immigrant notion that, you know, we all come here um, to better ourselves. And my family came from Italy, came over here, and then it just passed on this ethos of service to each of us that we were here not to take up space, that we're here to actually be of service to the world, to basically give gratitude for the opportunity to live in this country and to be a part of the American dream, so to speak. So for us, you know, my father and my mother were like, well, you know, our children are going to also be of service. And I always have to say even my mother more so than my father because my father was, uh, you know, was the old Italian mindset where, you know, the patriarchy, et cetera. But my mother was really, it was really important for her that her daughters, and I'm one of three girls, um, her daughters really um, became something that would cause or give something back. And, you know, for us, it was, you know, doctor, lawyer, or Indian chief. And, you know, I'm not saying <laughs> Indian chief as a joke because nobody is going to be an Indian chief, but it was either doctor or lawyer. And so my oldest sister became a doctor and my youngest sister became a lawyer and I became a lawyer. And it was only at a certain point in time because nothing, you know, I, I believe in the path of least resistance. And and when I, when I set out to become a lawyer, um, things started to unfold in such a way that um, it made sense because I had gotten my master's before I went to law school in international security and conflict and international affairs. So, you know, I wanted the international bent. I'm a language, um, I was a language major in college. I speak, you know, French, Italian, and Spanish. And, you know, that was something I wanted to use. I love talking to people and breaking those borders or the barriers to communicate with others it was really exciting for me. I really liked to see other cultures by virtue of, you know, one-on-one -on -one conversations with people. So I went to law school and, you know, as I was, I was like, what am I going to do? Cause it was kind of like I, I was building a foundation, you know, but you know, actually billing people for my work and things like that just did not seem appealing. And I actually did work um, in a um, private firm for, you know, long enough, let's say that. And I was like, you know, I want to go back because I had done an um, internship at uh, Immigration and Naturalization Service, which would basically took me back there after um, some time to work there for the last almost 20 years. So, you know, it was it was certainly um, a wonderful opportunity to learn certain skills. And I think two of the best skills, at least for me, from law, what law gave me is the ability to articulate a thought, but only after I listened well. Yeah. Yeah. The listening piece, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated by also the, the language piece too, because, you know, in the subject of law and the, in the complexity of it, you not only have to know how to speak a language, you know, like the everyday cursory language, but you need to know words and concepts and a way to explain it to somebody in, at another level. That's just a much deeper, much more fluent level to be able to communicate subject matter like law and immigration law to somebody in multiple different languages. Kudos to you. I mean, that's impressive in and of itself to speak that many languages and to, you know, be able to communicate in that way on something that's such a heady subject. It's not like you're just having a day conversation with some random stranger about the weather and the food and things like that. Like, it's, it's serious stuff go ahead you know it's it's 
it's fascinating to me, um, the, every language, to be quite honest with you, and the different idiosyncrasies in each, in each um, laws of language, like you said, and the different romance languages that I learned. Um, and the fascinating thing is when you, like, break through that barrier of, you know, someone who can't understand, and then they actually get that aha. And I guess that's kind of like what I do for a living now is helping people come alive to the beauty of their dreams because I think the real mystery is what does that person need to hear or what do I need to hear to help that person understand the possibilities that truly exist in this world in their life, et cetera. And I think that comes from, like I said before, the, you know, ne- the necessity of, and I think it's a, a lost art in many respects nowadays because we can't even figure out a way to compromise, but the lost art of actual listening yeah. and then taking it from that point, hearing those things, you know, that we can act upon that, you know, really can make a difference in the world and in life and in different people, you know, that would be, quite amazing if people listen to each other a little bit more and open up that conversation to more expansiveness rather than the contracting nature that we're experiencing lately. Were you helping people come into the country or were you representing the government for people that were here illegally? Like what, what, what was the actual role that you had? Right. So I, I was on enforcement. So I worked with the federal government as um, someone who um, it wasn't really, um, keeping people in or out is people who are here and then the cases as they were presented themselves who are here in an unlawful fashion or had violated the laws which rendered them unlawfully here. Um, And then basically it came from a concept of, okay, so there's different forms of relief available to each person if in fact that's the case. And they would come to court and they would, you know, if they were, obviously if they're citizens here, they shouldn't be in court with immigration. But I did represent the government. And, you know, it was a public service um, role that I had, you know, and, and you know, I had, I see, I saw some significant um, uh, individuals who did a lot of harm in this country and, you know, as far as crimes. And I also, also saw a lot of people who came to this country to seek a better life and economic refugees. And they were seeking, you know, different forms of relief that maybe they weren't, you know, they weren't um, eligible for, but they had their opportunity to go to court to actually plead their case or set forth a case. So, um, you know, it it was a very interesting experience, you know, as far as hearing a lot of stories. And I think that that is one of the things that makes me even better a storyteller or writer, author, is because I listen to people's stories. You know, unfortunately for a lot of people, my role was like as the fraud keeper, you know, what's true, what's not true, you know, what's an embellishment, what's not an embellishment. You know, clearly as that stories unfolded, you have to meet certain parameters to be eligible for certain forms of relief to be allowed to stay in this country. Um, on one uh, on one side of the coin, and then the other, you know, having to uh, substantiate, um, you know, different grounds upon which you would have met the relief in in light of perhaps you know breaking the law of the laws of this country. So you know, it, it's a it's a my immigration is such a huge conversation, and you know, it's so funny because <laughs> to it's say lost the least, when you hear it on yeah, when you it gets lost by the news media or any 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 anybody who tries to simplify really what it is and and how it was, it, the impact of immigrants in this country, you know, trying to you know many you know many objectify them as you know maybe maybe the xenophobic zeal that they're the reason why all of our problems. That's not the case. Obviously, we yeah. all know that it's never so simple as it seems. There's never blacks and whites. There's always gray. It's you know, down gray. the middle. And it's always great. So, you know, one of the best things that I actually had the opportunity to do while I was in um, the practice uh, of law and working for the federal government was I was able to train um, over 300 law students 
um, and also college students and high school students, how to be um, personally and professionally accountable to themselves and how they show up in the world. And, you know, how, you know, certainly within the, in the concept of litigation, it's funny because I found myself in what became, you know, a career, but it also became a calling while I was there doing what I was doing. And at a certain point in time, you know, some doors were closed. Uh, I had to be really aware of what was going on. You know, the whole element of, you know, you know, do I agree with what I'm being asked to do and having to do a gut check and an intuition check and also an integrity check and character check as to whether or not I stay there and if it actually aligns with me or do I venture out to a bigger classroom, so to speak, you know, to, to meet other people who I could, you know, execute on my calling in life. So, you know, it's the passion and the privilege and the honor to do what I had done, but there came a time where, you know, the doors were opening in, in one direction and closing the other. And my passion started to speak to me as my confidence grew in, in another arena. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's fascinating life. It's fascinating life because I know even with you, you know, and, and, and your wife, you guys were both involved in the financial sector and the financial world. And, you know, at a certain time, now you're speaking hope to a, a bigger classroom, you know, coming from the point of view and perspective that you guys had. And the reason why you're so effective at what you do today is because you had that different perspective to engage a wider audience based upon, you know, what you went through. So now that you get to take that and having conversations with people who have different perspectives. So it's fascinating to me, life. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I, I agree with that. And I think that the point that, uh, that I came to realize and kind of having a conversation with you was just this, this moment where you recognize that the season for what you've spent 20 plus years doing is over. Like it's, it, it's, it's like coming to terms with that because I, I know there's probably somebody listening right now that is in a situation where they're working at something that they don't love, yeah. that they're, that they're doing something for a paycheck and maybe that paycheck's in jeopardy right. or maybe the business is now uh, down or maybe it's, you know, just this whole environment with all of us kind of having a chance to really reflect and pause and think about where we are in life. Maybe, maybe that still small voice inside of them is saying, you know, the, here's your calling. This yeah. is your passion. This is where you need to go. Right. And so, you know, I guess, uh, were you afraid to kind of step down? I mean, was there, was there fear that, how did you make that decision with your husband? You know, was he of the same mind? I, I, I guess it's different if you, if you've got a household where there's one breadwinner versus two, right. I think two, two breadwinner households, it makes it easier to make a, a, a life changing right. decision like that career decision. But like, how did you come to that decision? Right. So, you know, interestingly enough, you know, I had an opportunity to prove, uh, to apply for a promotion in my agency. And, and, you know, it was like, okay, you know, it's a promotion that I had actually gotten before. Um, but my mother was so sick, I could not take on the additional responsibilities, knowing full well that my attention needed to be other places. So, you know, it's, it's so interesting how, you know, and then of course I, I, I left out the whole point where I, I went through a, a terrible grieving process from the time she died. And I would have to say a good, uh, you know, three years in, uh, three years of trying to pull myself back up again, you know, from, you know, I don't want to live anymore without her to, I have my children, my family, there's more to my life. How could I step out? You know, when that's what I asked for as well is to be, you know, the, the honor and privilege of being their parent. So, you know, but, it, but, you know, it's a process, you know, of going through depression or anxiety or anything like that, step into this other. So I have to tell you, when I did wake up, I must say it was a wake up call for me. Uh, and I looked around to see where I was, uh, you know, certainly 
um, I started asking myself the questions, okay, is, is fear the factor that's going to hold you back? And is that really what you want? To, is that whole no regrets kind of thing when you know, look back and you said, oh, I was so scared that I didn't take that leap of faith when, you know, honestly, I must say to you, my, my totem animal has been the butterfly. Uh, the transformational process of the butterfly going from the caterpillar to actually the cocoon to bursting out, you know, and like, like I said, I, I live in metaphors a lot. So, you know, <laughs> that kind of egged me on. So I have to say, you know, it, it's the cool thing about being able to be a writer now <laughs> because I get to express myself, you know, as I see it in words, like I said before, the word Smith, the word Smith and me um, that is able to articulate well um, the experiences I'm having by virtue of the words and you know i'm always been playing with words you know being a lawyer etc so you know i have to tell you when it came time to make the decision to stay or go i did you know for the sake of my my marriage my relationship i did you know give it a final old college try you know put in my name for the promotion if i get it i stay if i leave i go and i actually asked god i sat there and said okay, <laughs> I'm not playing. You're not playing. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the next step that I know that will allow me to stay here. Maybe I'll be not entirely happy, but I'm a true believer in, you know, everything that's meant to happen will happen, you know? So I put my name in. It would have been something that, you know, I had already done because I had managed a program with interns for almost 18 years. Like managing was the job I was putting into. Uh, I was putting up for it. And I was like, okay, whatever happens, I'm going to take what you tell me and I'm going to go with it. And when I found out I didn't get the promotion, it was like, oh, <laughs> you know, I was Uh-oh. like, Uh-oh. I guess I, guess I got to do something now, right? Now- I, have to, I guess I have to do something about this now. So, yeah, it was, it was kind of like I asked and I believed I was going to get a, a, an answer that, you know, and to be able to receive that answer and that, you know, leap of faith and betting on myself, I had to take the next. And it was terrifying. <laughs> it, yeah. was, it was scary for my family because, but I've never, I have to tell you, I, I've never, I, I come from a very abundant mentality. And, and, you know, and I think it's basically because maybe my shift, you know, from, you know, uh, the whole, I, I don't live in lack so much because I've always been so blessed with, you know, people, places and things that really build my life. So I, I never felt like anyone needed to take care of me, but I always felt like to do what I needed to do, God would take care of me. So yeah. that leap of faith literally became a leap of faith. Okay, I'm, I'm jumping. Okay. Jen, doesn't, <laughs> it, promise. doesn't it remind yeah. you of our conversation? Yeah. Yes. You know, totally. a little bit. Like yeah. she, it's almost like she's speaking, <laughs> you know, the conversation that we had. So right. like I'd come to that, I spent 22 years as a financial mm-hmm. advisor and you know, the reality of it is, is I could just feel in my spirit that God was saying to me mm-hmm. that this, this was the end, yeah. like that, that season of my life needed to, needed yeah. to change. Like there was other things that he had me doing. And so Jen and I, and, and, you know, for all of our marriage, ever since she were pregnant with Colby, like, mm-hmm. you know, you've worked at the office, you've worked whatever, but like, I never, we never depended or relied on anything that was coming from, right. you know, your paycheck or your efforts. And so I was like the majority breadwinner. And so Jen's sitting down, she's like, you want to get out? And I said, <laughs> yeah. And she's like, well, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I don't know. 
Um, I feel like God's <laughs> calling me to leave. And she's all, you don't know what you're going to do though. Um, and in her mind, she wasn't, she wasn't asking that because she was scared. She was asking that because she was thinking I was retired. That's what she was thinking. Like she's um, going to, oh, you, you know, okay. you're gonna, but are you going to be retired? You know, but she's all, you don't know what you're going to do. I said, no, I, God will let me know. Like, I just feel called. Like she's all, are you worried about it? I'm like, no. <laughs> are you upset about it? No, I just need to go. I just need to. Leave. So it was, yeah. it was just one of those things that you just, sometimes you just know, yeah in your spirit yeah. it's like that it's it's like your essence yeah. your being like if you ask a question like I, I love doing this myself I'll, I'll sit there and I'll in my own mind I'll go God okay God do you want me to go this way and like the, immediately whatever yes or no like a, just a yes or no an answer and I just kept getting the mm -hmm. answer that I needed to go and so mm -hmm. I just relied on that faith is belief without knowing there, there's no certainty to it sometimes you just oh, gotta take that leap so beautiful. Yeah. you know that leap it, yeah. it, it really is that it, it wouldn't be faith if you knew everything yeah Right. So the, the fact that you, you don't know, know everything too, Go the, ahead. The, the, the thing is, it's funny because I, I would love to say right then and there, I made the decision to take the legal faith and jump, <laughs> but because I was dragging my feet, you know, kind of like, Oh God, this is going to be hard, you know, Oh, start all over again and not know my identity anymore and not be able to identify. Cause I had a lot of respect and reputation as a, as an, uh, you know, as a assistant, um, you know, chief counsel with the government and people can, I was like, what would I be in this world? I'd be just floundering around this Meg. And you know, the funny thing is, is that the doors <laughs> not just closed in my face. They started to slam in my face <laughs> where I was. So I was just like, wow. And good thing for my ego being healthy enough to not tolerate certain things because yeah. <laughs> I probably would like, you know, shiver up into like, you know, you know, like, like in the fetal position, the you know, rock, rock yeah, yourself like to in sleep. the corner and like, yeah. no more. Yeah. <laughs> but instead you, of saying like, no more, it's like, no way, no way this is happening. To I gotta be me. careful like, what I, I told my friends. <laughs> I got to be careful Go what ahead, I pray please. because sometimes I'll say, hit me upside the head with a two by four. What you're talking about was a hit upside of yeah. Meg's head with a two by four. Like, <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, yeah. Hey, that still small voice you're not listening to. I'm going to make it a little louder. You know, yeah. here, here, here's this door closing. Here's this door closing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And those things that made it so comfortable, like I had a corner office and I wasn't a manager, but I had a corner office and I, you know, I, I, I did an ECU detail in headquarters in Washington, which is um, the, uh, it's a different, you know, the executive communications unit in, in Washington, D.C. And, you know, I saw things and I was like, oh, no, I cannot be a part of this. <laughs> yeah. And then and then I was like, I came back and then they told me that, you know, I was going to lose my office because, you know, I didn't work, you know, a, a certain percentage in, in the office. There. I was like, oh, my God, they're gonna, I've not moved for 20 years. I was like, if I'm going to move my stuff out of this office to a smaller office, then I'm moving out of this place completely. I'm like all or nothing. Like literally it was like, and then they took away my, then they took away my leadership role in like the program that I built and loved. I think that was the final, that was the final, you know, you know, nailed the coffin shut. I was like, uh, -uh no way, no way. This is the thing that makes me wake up in the morning and show up here. You take that away. I've got nothing left there and there's nothing I'm leaving. Adios. Until, like even the last day, you know, I was just kind of like, you know what? I'm good. I guess anything out there has got to be better than this. <laughs> because, you know, at this point, I was like, you know, I guess you're trying to yell in my face like it's time. And and I embraced the it's time. And, you know, it's, you know, it's funny. For anyone who's listening to this whole, you know, the bray of your heart that's calling you to do something else. You know, I, I want to tell you that it's really important not to 
take it all on at once. You know, embrace like the whole, just take the next best step, one step at a time. It becomes incrementally momentum forward. You know, you do the next thing that says yes. So my husband basically says to me, you need to tease you know, the lawyer, the realist, let's say the rational one of the two of us. Remember, I'm the butterfly, you know, I'm in the air flowing around, like, la, 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 this is great. He said to me, you better have a strategic business plan before you leave. And I did have a business plan. I drew him a triangle, and in the middle, I put myself, this is my business plan, mind you, which any person who is, like, Jim's ever, love this. like, coming from the corporate world would laugh at me, <laughs> but it's like, I put my, my purpose at the top of the triangle because the triangle is like fundamentally a domestically uh, strongest shape, right? I put purpose, I put service on my, my on the, the left side, and then I put my education on the right. And inside, I put those elements like family, friends, you know, everything that means anything to me in life, right? You know, and, and, and I basically, here's my business plan. And I gave it to him. And I said, I found a great coaching program that deals with energy leadership. I'm, I'm, in, I'm enrolling and my book is out there somehow that's going to be good when I finish my memoir. So I told them, I'm, this is what I'm doing to the end of my memoir, which I walked El Camino de Santiago in Spain. And just, I just said, everything will come together. Everything will come together. And I think that, you know, he's still waiting for it to all come together. <laughs> but the whole thing is for me, I see it. It doesn't matter what other people see. I see, I see the abundance still there. I see the the my life at, at a minimum at a minimum impacting my children into possibility whereas they will never ever question if their dreams can come true or not and that is beautiful because what's happened to me and we know this because we've discussed it the manifesting portion the things that have happened to me people will all say that's incredible that's impossible how did that happen to you and I and I, and I was telling uh, Sean you know from the time where I found myself, you know, on stage in front of 15,000 people at American Airline Arena in Miami and with Oprah Winfrey telling me, looking me and holding me in my arm and saying, now it's time to live the life of your dreams, basically. And I'm like, clearly a message from my mother, from God. Wow. <laughs> like, I don't care. You know, it was like really kind of one of these, you know, surreal moments in life that, you know, that because it happened, I can't dismiss it as being coincidental it's synchronistic and it's a part of my path and it's a part of that belief in self so that calling that's bigger than you or that's, that is calling you pulling you forth you have to follow when things like that happen you know yeah. and and it's a beautiful thing when you're paying attention so so it opens your life to so much more and that goes into the whole component i was telling you before is that you know not having those regrets when it's your end of your days because you actually set out to live the life that just aligned with your dreams. And it's all different, which makes the world go round, right? Yeah. You know, different, you know, the diversity is what makes this world so much more colorful and meaningful and powerful and spiritual and everything full, you know? So I kind of, I kind of live in that space more, which makes me feel so happy. Happy, and that's really kind of the thing everyone I kind of guess is going for is the happiness factor. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you if you you feel like you're happier now. Like, are you living a happier, more fulfilling life now than you were before? And then the secondary question to that is, you know, relative to kind of earnings and income, etc. You know, the reality of it is, money isn't everything. But you know, even if you're making less, you could have a more fulfilling, more happy, more thriving life. Right. No. So as far as the happiness factor is concerned, 
for a long time, my job with the government was a dream come true until it wasn't. So I will tell you what I've learned there and the opportunities I got there was a part of my dream until I realized it wasn't any longer. I wasn't feeling, I was feeling, like I said, contracted rather than expansion. So that was right when you were saying that I, I know that I know that those things exist out there. I just need to start, you know, getting curious and exploring more of what's going to actually be that path, that path of happiness. You know, it's that, you know, it's happiness is, is the, not the destination. It's the experience, the journey. And, and, and the bottom line is, you know, by, you know, jumping out into that, you realize that have we missed a beat? My husband got an incredible opportunity, you know, when I left my job and maybe he wouldn't have taken that had, had I stayed because, you know, I had the benefits, I had the insurance, I had all the other things maybe because he had his own practice. So maybe he wouldn't have taken, but, but he has, and he's benefited from the camaraderie of such a great uh, business corporation as well. So, you know, that's a gift to him while he might not recognize it. That is what happens. Um, so that, you know, what happens when you say yes to your life, the other people receive gifts as well. Oh, that's and awesome. I think that's that, beautiful. you know, yes, it, your kids, your friends, I, you know, people you come into contact with, sure. etc. For sure. I have people who tell me we're rooting for you because you make your dream come true. We're going to say yes to ours as well. Not that they put pressure on me because I don't feel that pressure, but it's like I feel supported in such a way that, you know, other people are watching to the extent that they are getting curious around their own dreams and, and the opportunity, you know, to be uh, a person who lives in the joy rather and the love rather than the fear, you know, yeah. the fear of, you know, uh, you know, I can't do that because I'm scared rather than I'm going to do it because I'm scared. I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. You know, yeah. because I know that something really beautiful is in store. Like I always the say courage to follow the calling. I call it the, the yes, courage, the courage good. to follow the calling, you know, like you, you, you can't let fear That's hold beautiful. you back. Like you, you got to have that, uh, that courage, you know, to follow that path. And so, yeah. you know, I, as we, as we finish up here, I have a, a question for you. So I, I, I like asking this of a lot of my guests. And, and the question is, I want you to imagine that there's somebody's listening that is feeling anxious, that's feeling worried, that's nervous. Maybe their business is not thriving. Maybe their business is closed right now during the pandemic. Maybe they're worried about their mortgage payments or maybe they're worried about loved ones and, and illnesses. And, you know, there's just a lot of anxiety, I feel like, right now. And so for somebody mm -hmm. that has faced anxiety, <laughs> made big decisions, you know, moved out of a career you spent 20 years developing to chase your dream and follow your passion and your purpose, you know, what, what advice do you have to somebody right now that could be facing a, a similar situation as you three, four years ago, contemplating what's the next stage? Am I fulfilled? You know, wh where do I go? What do I do next? Like, what would you say to that person? You know, one of the, the two things, two things I want to leave that person with, because I think that there is purpose in suffering as well. You know, I, don't, I think, you know, pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. I think that the fact that you do have this uncomfortably, you know, difficult moment challenge, let's call it a challenge because, you know, that the challenging moments, I think what you can do is, you know, to be worthy of, of that, that moment, that challenge in your life is to figure out how to, you know, you know, do what you can where you are. And, and I, and I, and I really, really mean this, find your tribe 
And I think that the fact that we're all going through this together and, and I see a lot of division, I think that the way we're going to heal that is we start to find unity in those places, in those broken parts, right? So I think that certainly the ask, believe, receive factor is start, you know, going to those who inspire you, finding yourself in a room where people talk, seek positive rather than um, negative. Like there's always a, there's always a problem. There's always going to be problems in life. But the whole point is you want to be around people who are looking toward the solution, right? Being of that mindset where, okay, this is what's going on. You know, I have been a purpose of success for so long, you know, a person of success for a long time. This is a moment in time where I'm seeing a challenge, you know, call in those people who have been impacted by your success so they can help you come up with the solutions for those problems that you're, you're facing because we're not islands. We're not supposed to be islands. We're connectors and collaborators as human beings. I mean, throughout time, historically, even from day one, you know, in the cavemen, they had to have each other in order to survive and thrive. You know, the bottom line is that we need each other. And I think that the beauty of that is that maybe this is a point in time, you know, in this isolation, this quarantining, that we extend ourselves more to reach out, you know, when we can and to be reached when we, we need when we need that as well. So and I think that's the openness and the vulnerability to the moment. And I think that really, um, for me, one of the benefits of the, you know, is that vulnerability, you know, that I had when I was going through the grieving process and people showed up to help me. And now, you know, even the vulnerability and jumping in that leap of faith, you know, really, really being a present and, and seeing who who's showing up to help me so I can be certainly in that place of generosity of service to give back to the world. Because, I mean, really, it's that karmic give and take in life, give and receive. It's got to keep going. It's that circle that keeps, you know, keeps building on each other. Once maybe you need me now, and then I can be there when I'm stronger to help you later. So, oh, I love so that. that whole collaborative process. It's really, it's really powerful. And I think that once we get to that point where we realize that, you know, it's more comp- less competition, more collaboration, then we, 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 on a greater scale, you know, we do that in our little areas of the world, and then on a greater scale, we all can experience that more so than, than not. Well said. Well said, Meg. I mean, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your wisdom. And, you know, just uh, hearing you talk about courage and vulnerability and, you know, your tribe, I think that that matters so much. I think that the people that you surround yourself with are, are absolutely pivotal to what direction you're going in in life. And you get, you got to have people that lift you up and support you no matter what, you know, that those are the type of people that yeah. you have in your tribe. And uh, I, I agree with that 1000%. So thank you so much for your time and your, and your story and your wisdom. I appreciate it. Thank you. And I, I really want to thank you for those words. Be courageous to your calling. Mm-hmm. Because I think that for me, that impacted me. And I want to say that did not go without saying I have to tell you that. And also that you're surrounded by a passionate Italian makes your calling even that much more fun. So <laughs> yeah. the two together, for sure. Because I think we're supposed to have a good time while we're here, too. Right? Yes. There's elements of, you know enjoyment so well, Jen <laughs> that would te- gives us all hope right yeah. Jen would tell you that you know she brings the fun like if, if <laughs> I would have been a workaholic easily she was the <laughs> oh, one yeah. that would drug me to fun so oh, she she sure. she uh she keeps awesome. me busy she inspires me daily and uh so that, that's awesome after 20 tw- married 26 years and dated for five Amazing. years before that so yeah. 31 years together and we're wow. still having That's fun. Awesome. And we're still what having fun right here. High five. There you go. We're still having fun. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time, Meg. It was awesome.
All right. Thank you guys so much. Have a wonderful day out in Cali. All right, Jen, what'd you think about our interview with Meg? I think Meg is my sister from another mister. <laughs> Little Miss Italian. I know. Like, man, you you two would be a feisty marinara sauce. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> that sounds so good. <laughs> oh, I brought up food. Now you're distracted. I started thinking about pasta, raviolis, gnocchi. What's your favorite pasta, by the way? Gnocchi. 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 Is, it, is that a pasta? Isn't it a potato? It's a potato pasta. Okay. All right, I I I like it with pesto. We're gonna we're gonna have to get Meg to weigh in. What yeah. what would be her favorite Italian dish? Pasta, lasagna. <laughs> but no, I thought she was awesome. Yeah, she was great. I really, I have envy of people that are super super talented, especially when it comes to languages. Mm-hmm. French, Spanish, Italian, Italian, English. English. Yeah. There's like four or five. And like, you got to, I mean, as an attorney, you got to be like fluent. Yes. Fluent. And how do you not get confused? Italian and Spanish are a little bit the same, but French is really hard. I took that in high school and English is really hard, says our friends in Mexico. <laughs> they said English is the hardest language to ever learn. I think I think if your English is your first language, you always think in English. But what was interesting to me was when I asked Rodrigo, who is our, our near and dear friend down in Mexico, does he ever think in English? And he does, even though Spanish mm-hmm. is his you know native language. Yes. So it's kind of interesting. Do you think in a certain language? Like I just respect anybody that can roll it off and not have to think. Like I have yes. to think to know what to say. We definitely have to think before we speak. I mean, <laughs> even here in America. Well, I thought Meg's story was awesome. I just think anybody that can actually, you know, be in a career for 20 mm-hmm. plus years, go to college, you know, you're professional, mm-hmm. you're top of your game, you're respected, you're well-liked, you know, you've got you've got an identity. Yes. And then to just go, you know what? Ah, this season of my life is over. Yeah. I'm going to head in a completely different... I'm, I'm going to head 90 degrees that way. Yep. I love that. I respect yeah. that. She it's not common. followed her passion. Followed her passion. She's living in joy, not fear. Yes. That's the point. Yes. Not succumbing to fear. Yep. As at, she keyed in on this. Being courageous mm-hmm. in pursuit of your calling. Right. I liked what her mom had said to her before she had passed. Do you remember um, stress will kill you and you really don't want to have regret, you know, like, so like if what you're doing is stressing you out, you know, why are you doing it? Yeah. I mean, I had your passion. Yeah. I had to come to that realization. Mm -hmm. I felt like my old job was going to kill me. Oh yeah. You said it all the time. It was stressful, stressful, stressful. All kinds of stress. It's going to kill me too. (laughs) (laughs) Is that what you were thinking? Yeah. (laughs) It was always stressful and I wasn't really in it. So point being, if you're feeling that, if you're not living your best life, if you're not living your most fulfilled, purpose-driven life, Mm -hmm. change it. Be courageous to your calling. Oh, look at you throwing my words right back at me. Yes. I I love it when you do that. (laughs) I listen. Except for when it works to my negative. Yeah, you also say, I hate when you do that. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I hate it. Depending (laughs) on how it's used against me. Exactly. All right, Jen. So how do people hear more of our Hope Radio podcast if they'd like to do so? You can tune in on iHeartRadio. You got it. I did? Yes. Um, iTunes? Yep. And SoundCloud, Spotify. Just basically all of them, right? Yeah. Wherever people consume podcasts. Yeah, wherever you listen to a podcast, we're there. All you got to do is search Hope Radio Podcast. And just 
listen to us. Now, you can subscribe mm-hmm. so you can get notifications of our new shows. Yes. But you can also be actually more involved. conversational, involved. You can follow us on our social medias. Yeah. We have two social medias. We are on Facebook at Hope Radio Podcast, and we're also on Instagram at Hope Radio Podcast. Yay! Give us a like, (laughs) give us a follow, give us a message. Hey, if you have a story of hope, if you know of somebody, if you yourself are a story of hope, send us a direct message. We'd love to have you on the show. Yes. Shall we do it again? (laughs) Yes. Shall we do another show? Yes. Shall we do another Hope Radio Podcast? You think we should? Yes, 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 yes. 